Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Monday Madness. And it is the 21st of December, you know, nearly Christmas. So I just wanted to take a second to say on behalf of, really, all of Red Petro, thank you. I mean, they say Christmas is all about giving, and you've been giving us your ears and your time. And although we do like to do this to try and equip you with all the knowledge you need to be successful in the energy space... You definitely enable us to do it. So thank you from Rare Petro on behalf of everyone here at the team. And please go to our website. You know what else we can do for you. It's been a tough year, but once we make for it, we're going to be together, stronger, and making big moves. So thank you for standing with Rare Petro. And we look forward to your continued business and listening engagement. And hey, we've got some pretty crazy tech in this world. I mean, it is Rare Petro's goal, after all, to modernize the oil field. But don't forget... We all have so much available tech that we can use it to modernize these holidays as well, so hold those loved ones close even if you're separated by miles and miles of distance. And I'll, I'll stop there. <laughs> I know you didn't come here for me to get all sappy and Christmassy. I know, you came here for some real professional content, so I will give it to you. We'll jump right into the WTI pricing, and at the time of recording this episode... WTI sits at a respectable $48, so seems like we are getting a repeat of last weekend where prices were high at market close with many people selling in that $48 range, and many more selling early this morning once those markets reopened, causing a big dip, but it is quickly recovering. So December has been a great month for pricing so far with a high last week, highest we've seen in a long time of $49.43. We are so close to breaking that $50 threshold, and I think many people will find it surprising when it does happen. So much doom and gloom for oil and gas during this downturn as media outlets continued to pummel the industry, but do you remember when everyone had estimates of $45 a barrel by the middle of 2021? Hey, come on, it's easy to be negative about current events, but this downturn won't last forever. We can definitely get through this, and we are getting through this. That's it for WTI, and for the rig count, another positive week. A U.S. gain of 8 rigs on the end of last week for a total of 346, which still does leave us down 467 rigs on the year. But I'm not too upset. But it is now pop quiz time! The last time we saw a negative rig count was a month ago where we lost 2. When was the last time we saw a negative count prior to that? I'll let you pause it if you really want to try. Now, if you said something around September 11th, then you would be correct. September 11th, that was that was so long ago. We're almost into 2021 at this point. So again, it's easy to focus on that bad news, but we have to recognize the good as well. I would not be surprised if we found our way through the rest of December with only positive rig counts, but perhaps I should stop talking so that I don't jinx it. Basin by basin, nothing really strange this week. We saw four rigs go up in the Permian, well, unsurprisingly. No other big movement for the week, though. Inventory reports for this week are much better than they were last week. But that's not too hard to do when you're coming off the back of a 15 million barrel crude build. So the EIA reported a 3 million barrel draw for the week ending on December the 11th. Four days later, the API released their report, which shows a nearly 2 million barrel build. Either way, I'm glad to see a 3 million barrel decrease for the EIA because I don't know how I would handle being blindsided by another massive build. So overall... With our statistics that we always cover, a very good week for oil and gas. It's nice to see pricing is in a great place, continued domestic growth within drilling, and sporadic yet overall steady decreases of those overstocked inventories in the greater scheme of time. But that is the end of those standard statistics, hopping into the stories. First things first, very quick update on our newest acquisition. 
Texas-based Diamondback Energy agreed to buy Denver-based QEP and their $1.6 billion of debt in an all-stock purchase for $2.2 billion. Not only that, but Diamondback will also be acquiring Midland operator Guidon Energy for a little over 10 million shares and $375 million in cash. Although it is very easy to overlook acquisitions in this time period, I cannot stress just how cheap some of these deals really are. Remember the Occidental acquisition? Even though Anadarko was a much larger company than both QEP and Guidon, that deal ran all the way up to $55 billion in August of 2019. That was barely over a year ago. At this point, some energy companies are hurting so badly that the deal of being acquired might as well be God's outstretched hands from the heavens above. If that sounds a little strange, consider this. Although it is not unheard of to acquire debt in a deal, this is a form of liability for the purchaser. Not only is Diamondback purchasing new land, facilities, and equipment in this deal, they are purchasing the debt of the company as well. This is a liability that Diamondback will work to eliminate, but clearly feels it is able to do so. This happens pretty frequently on a small scale as well. Let's say you, yes you, the listener, and myself are rival small cap companies in the DJ Basin. Times were tougher on me than they were you, so I will be selling some of my assets to generate some much-needed liquid cash that I could cover operating costs with, uh, cover my debt payments, really any number of things in this wild, wild year. You decide that you are in a good enough place, and you are confident that oil is a commodity that is integral and here to stay because you're one of the smart people who listens to the Rare Petro podcast and you can think for yourself. I sell you the land for a great deal because it's worth little to me at the moment and I cannot wait to get rid of this money pit. I already view it as a liability. You acquire not only the asset, but that liability associated. Now it goes one of two ways. Things get worse and it remains uneconomic for you to operate this new property as it was for me, or things get better and your new asset begins to plump up that wallet of yours. This is why acquisition prices in the past year or so have been all over the board. It's a question of how long this property will operate as a liability or a valuable asset, and in a way, it's kind of like trading options. Things weren't bad in August of 2019, so Occidental was fine participating in a bid war that left them $55 billion more poor. Now it is December of 2020, and QEP thinks that getting out of the game is its best option, and Diamondback Energy is paying what QEP feels fair as Diamondback makes sort of a, a call on the oil and gas industry, if you will. Timing is key, and I hope both Diamondback and QEP end up pleased with this deal. Oh, and Guidon, forgot to mention. It's been a few weeks since we've had the chance to talk about Iran, sanctions, or any other associated topics, but it has once again become a hot topic as we near an administrative transition here in the United States. First, we must run it back to 2018, where the Trump administration pulled out of an Obama-era nuclear pact with Iran. Immediately after that, sanctions were slapped on Iranian oil, and most traders avoided it like the plague. That's a pretty simple way of catching us up to today, and if you haven't heard our team talk about the way Iran gets around these sanctions, or how some countries flat out ignore them and continue to trade oil for gold, then I highly recommend you go to rarepetro.com to hear more about that in our many, many previous segments of Monday Madness and other periodicals amongst some pretty good other content, if I do say so myself. Still, Things have become complicated with Biden's presidency around the corner, and Iran may be one of the most important foreign relation issues on the table. Biden's national security advisor has recently stated that the U.S. will likely roll back some of those sanctions and enter back into talks of honoring that nuclear deal again, in the way that Obama did when, well, Biden was vice president at the time. Apparently, this did not come as a surprise to much of the world, as they have already been arranging potential contracts with Iran as they expected Biden to lift these sanctions and allow Iran to trade openly. 
The Iranians need to sell oil, and other countries need energy as we collectively exit these strange COVID times. Now, I know this comes off the back of really nuclear deals and making sure that nobody's here to blow anybody else up, but you gotta feel a little bit bad for Iran. I mean, in the recent days, recent months really, OPEC has been telling them that they need to comply and produce less. I mean, the U.S. has been putting sanctions, has had sanctions on Iran for such a long time, and such a large portion of their revenue is associated with mineral sales, specifically oil. So I can see why Iran has been selling oil under the radar, but let's hope that we can settle this disagreement on a world stage so that everyone is able to import, export, trade, really, the energy that we need to live our comfortable, enhanced lifestyles. I mean, Iran is clearly ready to jump back in the game as they are already offering, say, Chinese oil firms rebates of up to $1 per barrel since they have such a huge stockpile. So let's see if 2021 is the year for Iran. Now, if you've listened to any of our segments in the past two weeks or even just had an ear to the ground here in Colorado, you would know about the new regulatory changes from the COGCC. Essentially, setbacks have increased, permitting has become increasingly unsuccessful, and the COGCC themselves seem intent on prioritizing anything over the development of Colorado's abundant natural resources. How do we gauge the immediate response to these policies? Well, the BLM just conducted a land sale, and the results were rather lackluster. The BLM had offered up 42 parcels of land, but few people attempted to bid, and those who did paid a whole lot less than they would have recently. Let's set the stage, shall we? In September, about 70,000 acres of land went up for sale. The BLM generated $1.64 million with a high price of $708 per acre. The most recent BLM sale only put 43,000 acres up for grabs, but only a part of it really sold. Of those 43 parcels, 10 remained unpurchased. The highest bid here was $382 per acre, or almost half of what it was four months prior. The average price per acre from this bid was only $14.5. Ouch. Oil prices are much higher than they were, more than four months ago, but many operators are clearly displeased with the new regulatory changes and therefore apprehensive to develop land under these new rules. I can't say that I blame them. This new COGCC board is scary for the industry, and it's likely to only get worse with time. I'm not going to say this is the beginning of a slow death for oil in the West, because I'm definitely more optimistic than that. But things could certainly be better. I imagine if this continues, a lot of state revenue that is typically generated through lease sales and severance tax will dry up. That means the state will have to find a new industry to tax or ease the regulations on what made them so prosperous in the first place. And let's be honest, even if COVID was not around, the recently legalized sports gambling would still be underwhelming and inadequate when compared to oil and gas. But that is all we have to say for this episode of Monday Madness, and I thank you again for joining us. If you didn't get your fix, well... Yeah, content release might be a little bit slow in the next few weeks, but be sure to follow us on LinkedIn. Just search Rare Petro on LinkedIn and you will be updated whenever we post new content and even get a little bonus preview that no one else gets to see whenever we do post something. Other than that, make sure you're subscribed. Or if you're bored this holiday season, please just peruse the periodicals, news, any section of rarepetro.com is pretty damn interesting if I do say so myself. And you might just find yourself learning a thing or two. So again... Thank you for joining us, and until we see you next time, Merry Christmas, everybody.